Hello. My name is Dr. Mercurio Arborea, and I am the founder of the Arborea Institute. Through our unique blend of benign pharmacology, sensory therapy, and energy sculpting, we can guide you to a new, better, happier you. You're about to embark on a great journey. Let the new age of enlightenment begin. What is at stake is more than one small country. It is a big idea. A new world order. It's no longer a theory. What I'm about to say is fact. The secret organizations of the world power elite are no longer secret. They have planned and are now leading us into a one-world communist government. Welcome useless eaters to the Odd Man Out podcast, where we talk about hidden history, deep political policy, occult deconstruction, economics, religion, and philosophy. I'm your rabbit hole aficionado, the Odd Man. Welcome. The affirmative task we have now is, uh, is to actually... Um, uh, create uh, uh, a new world order. Public policy could itself become the captain of a scientific, technological elite. And when that first cocaine was smuggled in on a ship, it may as well have been a deadly bacteria so much as it hurt the body, the soul of our country. But take my word for it, this scourge will stop. What's up, my friends? So glad to be back with you. You know, I kind of wanted to do something different this week. I wanted to just kind of talk off the cuff, kind of say what's on my mind. I'm researching several different things, but it's really heavy information, hidden history, ancient history. And I thought, you know what? It'd be fun just to have kind of a casual conversation and just talk about things, whatever I've been thinking about. So hope that's cool with you guys. So here lately, I've been thinking, because really, the last 12 years, I've been kind of following the Libertarian Party pretty closely. Now, I never became a member, just like I never became a member of the Republican Party when I used to be a Republican or consider myself conservative. But I'll say this about the Libertarians, as unorganized as they are, they have the best ideas, and they really do stand for the Bill of Rights and the Constitution, and they seem to mean it a lot more than the Republicans do. I feel like the Republicans are, mostly give lip service to those things. And, you know, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but go back to Trump saying take the guns first. I mean, he didn't even get any pushback from Republicans. And... Government continues to grow and spending continues to be more and more. And Republicans, the people, the, the citizens, they don't do anything about it. They just continue to listen to the rhetoric of their representatives who promise to be more conservative and promise to do this and promise to do that and promise to defend our rights and let us down time and time again. You got a few, you know, like the Rand Pauls and the Masseys and the Amashes who seem to stand for these good things. But, you know, who knows where all their alliances lie? At least they're talking about it and saying good things, but 
even if they were totally free of shady ties, well, what could they do? They're just a few guys against this big bureaucracy, this bureaucracy that I call GovCorp because government is so deeply in bed with monopoly corporations and Wall Street, you, you can't tell where one ends and the other begins. And that's why we're moving towards these public-private partnerships that have been talked about for decades and are coming to fruition under the Great Reset and the Build Back Better. So I want to talk a little bit about libertarians, okay? It's kind of funny when you talk to Republicans or Democrats about libertarians. It's kind of a cliche, but Republicans think that libertarians are liberal. And Democrats think libertarians are Republicans or conservative. They say they're just conservatives who smoke dope. And they, the, you know, it's kind of like one of those things where you underestimate your enemy so you don't ever even investigate them. You just kind of uh, use these cliches to describe them. But if you don't get to know your enemy, then you're not much of a warrior. So it's just one of those things. But uh, libertarians have great ideas for the most part. Now, I don't agree with them on everything. And I used to be a little bit more libertarian than I am now because I've gotten a little older and a few of the subjects I feel like I've evolved on. And I think you have to use some common sense. And one of those things I'll say really quickly I have mixed feelings on immigration. You know, libertarians think that you, sh you know, we shouldn't regulate immigration whatsoever. But then I think about how we're letting in thousands upon thousands of people who are most likely going to vote Democrat if they ever get a chance, because that is the party that's promising them the most goodies. It just makes sense. It's just human nature. And so not only are they not going to vote libertarian, but they're going to vote the opposite of libertarianism, which is Democrats. Democratic. So I feel like they're totally shooting themselves in the foot. And also with the cloward Piven strategy to overwhelm the welfare system and create a universal basic income, that's where this is leading because... Obviously, if you have a welfare state and you let people in, more and more people who are going to eventually collect some type of welfare are going to create more public debt. And then as far as the sovereignty goes, and, and told, don't get me wrong, I totally understand freedom of movement and I agree with it, but there's a real problem there. If you can't change your policies, at least for a time, to fight your enemy on a real in a real way, meet them head on, then you're just supporting your own demise. And I feel like that's what libertarians are doing. And as far as sovereignty, well, the biggest thing I have against what they talk about, about sovereignty, no borders, that kind of thing, is 
the New World Order, that plays right into their hands because the Council on Foreign Relations and these globalist networks, that's one of their main things is the ending of borders, the ending of sovereignty, state sovereignty. And they wrote about that for decades. So if you end sovereignty, that's pushing towards a global governance. And of course, libertarians don't see it that way. They're like, we want rid of government, period, or we want to make it so small that it actually works, which makes you know, common sense, but reading the borders, getting rid of the borders is just playing right into the hands of the globalists. And that's going to push closer to this global system that they want, you know, and that's going to be opposite of libertarianism. That's going to be so opposite libertarianism that it's just mind boggling. You're not going to be able to control a globalist system. We can't even control the federal system. Libertarians can't even debate in the presidential debates because the Democrats and Republicans own the debate committee. So libertarians can get some things changed at the local levels and sometimes at the state level, but they really don't have much of a prayer at the national level. Now, I don't mean to be a downer about that. I'm just trying to be honest about it. But here's my thing. Libertarians, one of their main stances, one of your main stances, libertarians, if you listen to this, is you're against unconstitutional wars, the non-aggression principle. I totally agree with you. Here's the thing. Being against government is libertarian 101. That's day one libertarianism. Taxation is theft. Yes, the government sucks. We all know that. But you're not simply just fighting the federal government, the public sector. You are fighting the federal government and all their corporate cronies, their international monopolies that they're in bed with, Wall Street, central banking, the Bank of International Settlements, and hundreds, hundreds of corporate-funded NGOs. And if you can't be honest about who you're really fighting and look at the big picture and say, well, I've got to do something about these NGOs who are directly changing policies that are opposite of the individual freedom that we hold dear, opposite of smaller government, then I'm all talk. I am just spinning my wheels. So that's just the way it is. You know, the Rockefellers figured out decades ago and the Carnegies and the Fords how to control policy through their philanthropic organizations. And so others learned how to create these non-governmental organizations and fund them and get them influential. Um, and get them influential by several different ways, but one is having their members get into presidential administrations and into governments and into the industries, or maybe they already belong to the industries that influence governments and work with governments. So we really have a protectionist racket for a government system. And I think that if libertarians cannot understand that, then they are just wasting their time and it's just a club. It's just a club that, and you know,
the Republican Party and the Democratic Party is, they're, they're both clubs. And the Libertarian Party is a club, too, to a certain degree. I mean, a lot of people just join these or identify with these because they want something to belong to. But Libertarians, to me, appear to really want change and to be really vehement about standing for individual liberty, standing for the First and Second Amendments and property rights. And so if you are serious, I implore you to listen to me and to look into these non-governmental organizations. You know, I did an episode, I think it was called Bankers Love Communism, and that was one where I talked about how David Rockefeller had either started or belonged to about six or eight different very influential NGOs, including the Council on Foreign Relations, the Trilateral Commission, the Council of the Americas, different things like that. So he could influence policy. That's what they do, man. They get their people into these presidential administrations. This has been going on, libertarians, talking to you, since World War I. Since World War I. Out of the Rose Roundtables came the Royal Institute of International Affairs, which is now called the Chatham House which was created the year before the Council on Foreign Relations. It's the sister organization, but it's the first, and it was started in the UK. And then the next year, 1921, came the Council on Foreign Relations. And their whole aim, supposedly, was to end wars, end sovereignty, and create world government. And the reason that they created those two institutions was because the League of Nations fell through. Okay, they wanted to create that global governance then, and it didn't happen. And so they said, we got to start these other organizations to work slowly towards that and be more quiet about it because the American people and even the representatives weren't going for it at the time. And they were quietly, as soon as the League of Nations dissolved, they quietly started preparing to build the United Nations. And there are hundreds of NGOs in the United Nations. And if you look back at my episodes I did on Agenda 21 in the United Nations, you'll hear about how these green uh, institutions, NGOs, corporate-funded, many of them, want to outright end property rights. And they've talked about it, and they've put it in their papers, their legislation they've tried to get put into government. They haven't got that part done quite yet, but they're already working on it by controlling what people can do with their property rights because of so-called environmental issues. And so these things really matter. A lot of these NGOs want to end the Second Amendment. They're vehemently against gun rights. And a lot of these are also corporate-funded. The corporations, man, that are in bed with your government are a huge part of the Great Reset. The Great Reset, the Build Back Better, not only is it a cult in nature because they want to build this so-called one-world utopia, it's very much, it's very much influenced by economic powers, consolidation of economic powers. These Monopolies hate competition. They hate small businesses, and that's why you're seeing small businesses decimated. They are working with government so they can beat out 
small businesses and entrepreneurs, libertarians. So when you understand that you're fighting something much more powerful than just simply the federal government, the public sector, then maybe you can really start to make some differences. I don't understand why there's not more of a will to look at this side of things and see the true enemy and the true scope of the enemy and who is actually working with the people that we hate to create the policies that we hate, the policies that are against individual liberty, freedom, and smaller government, less spending. They are trying to create this universal basic income so they can have more power. It's happening right now, guys. I think that things have gone much farther than the libertarians who are in charge, the libertarians who are the voices that you hear the most, are willing to understand or maybe even capable of understanding. I, I, don't get me wrong. I think Tom Woods is fantastic, brilliant guy. Dave Smith is the best thing that's happened to the Libertarian Party since Ron Paul, no question. And he probably even conveys the message even better than Ron Paul did. Here's the thing, though. It, you have to be willing to confront the true enemies and really say, look, we're not just fighting Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and Chuck Schumer and the like. We're fighting we're fighting Exxon, we're fighting Facebook, Google, we're fighting BlackRock, Blackstone, we're fighting all these corporate members of the Council on Foreign Relations. And if you don't know who they are, libertarians, go over to CFR.org, their corporate membership, and look it up. It's every company people hate. And they're working hand-in-hand -hand with these governments to implement this build back better. They're going along with the lockdowns because they know that they'll be just fine. See, a lot of these companies, the reason they have these NGOs, especially these environmental NGOs, is because they can influence policies there with, you know, without directly looking like it's them doing it. And they can actually get regulations passed. That may sound crazy, but they can, especially with these environmental organizations that are corporate-backed, can get these regulations passed that startups or the smaller companies cannot compete with. And that doesn't just go for energy companies in the energy industry. That goes for many, many different industries. So, of course, these monopolies would want to work with your federal government and be a part of it and have these public-private partnerships and these relationships and this protectionist racket because it allows them to thrive. And even if they did have to pay a little bit more for these regulations, it's like an investment to destroy competition. You know, John D. Rockefeller famously said that he hated competition. And that's, it's just kind of like an investment to destroy any chances down the road of somebody taking over your industry and making more money than you. And, you know, I feel like that libertarians have been so involved in reading these fantastic authors, these economic authors like Mises and Rothbard and Hayek and Hoppe and Hazlitt, but they haven't taken the time to read people like Anthony C. Sutton, 
who did a series of books showing that Wall Street had funded the Bolsheviks, they funded Hitler, they funded communism, and they haven't read authors like Gary Allen, who talked about how the Rockefellers had used their NGOs and their philanthropic groups to control policies. You know, he said in a speech one time, why would people like the Rockefellers, these industrialists like the Rockefellers, want to push a global governance? Well, it would make it 10 times easier to control policies because then they would only have one government to buy off and control instead of dozens of other ones around the world. Now, I've said this on here before, but I'm talking to you this time, libertarians. If you don't understand this, I'm just trying to you know, put an olive branch out to show you that, look, it's much bigger than what you think it is. This enemy is a much more powerful enemy than you think it is. So read people like uh, Gary Allen and Anthony C. Sutton, but also Carol Quigley, who did the biography of basically the Rhodes Roundtable and the Council on Foreign Relations and how this important, powerful group of industrialists and bankers decided to create the CFR and Chatham House in order to control the world and control policies and get things done to bypass the wishes of the voters. You see, right now, Joe Biden has more than 20 Council on Foreign Relations members in his cabinet. Now, let's look at the council being the most popular NGO, probably. They control so much, and they've been in presidential administrations since World War I. So, you look at that and you think, hmm, okay, libertarians are really anti-war, and they're really about the non-aggression principle, but Council on Foreign Relations, which works hand-in-hand with my government, their members have been behind every bad foreign policy since 1921. So, if you're not looking into that and looking at the military-industrial complex members who are also members of the Council on Foreign Relations, then you're not seeing the big picture. If you're not looking at the Atlantic Council, who works hand-in-hand with your Pentagon, then you're not looking at the big picture. So you can say, well, I'm against the government all you want, but you don't understand that you should be against the government and their cronies. We have a protectionist racket, a protectionist system. And we have to be willing to fight them on their level. So that's all I'm trying to say. So I've tried to reach out to various libertarians and comments on like the Mises Caucus Facebook group or, you know, Dave Smith's tweets or Tom Wood's tweets or you know, just various ones, even my local libertarian party here. And I, you know, I can't get hardly anything back. Like nobody wants to talk about it. And I don't understand that. I wonder if libertarians are so used to just fighting with Democrats over public and private sector, because of course Democrats try to portray that the private sector is evil and we need to destroy them, but yet we need to build up the public sector more and more and more, when of course they work together, like I'm telling you right now. But libertarians, you know, generally are for the public sector. 
and they oftentimes don't differentiate between the true public sector and then these cronious relationships and these monopolies. I think I've even seen maybe Tom Woods uh, say that there was no such thing as monopolies. A very old article, if I'm not mistaken, which is just ridiculous because one only has to look back at how the Rockefellers and the Carnegies and the Fords through these, like the CFR and different uh, organizations, got their members into presidential administrations and controlled policy. So obviously they did that, so they could be monopolies. But anyway, uh, I think Tom Woods is great, but again, be honest about who you're fighting. Be honest. If you think it's going to make the public sector look bad because you acknowledge that the monopoly public sector is evil and working with your government and want to work with your government. I, I mean, I don't know what to say because that's not true free markets. So be honest if, if you don't want to acknowledge this and say, I'm not really for free markets. I'm for a protectionist racket. I'm for a public-private partnership, which is happening right now under the Great Reset. Uh, it's just really frustrating. You know, I can't even get anybody to message me back or comment back. Like, uh, I put something like that, and I always try to be friendly when I say these things, like, what do you guys think we should do about uh, fighting these corporate-funded NGOs who control a lot of the policies? Nothing, right? Uh, one guy messaged me back on uh, Mises, on the Mises Facebook group, and was like, you need to read Lysander Spooner, it's the government, it's always the government, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, dude, and that's, like I said, that's Libertarian 101, Okay. Lysander Spooner was right about a lot of things. He was known as basically the first voluntarist. But that was before all these NGOs worked hand-in-hand -hand with these corporations to control government. So politicians, you know, you, you pretty much, when you say the word politician, you've got to think about lying and cheating and conniving because that just goes with politicians. But you also have to understand that if these companies can control politicians or work with politicians to destroy competition. Of course they will. Of course they do. So you just got to be real. Like just the other day, some guy, I think he's called Libertarian in Chief on Twitter, and he had an Ask Me Anything. Well, he's got a fairly decent following. And so I just said the same thing. I said, what do you think we should do? Or I said, why do you think it is that libertarians ignore corporate-funded NGOs? Nothing. No reply whatsoever. Um, you know, so, and I, trust me, I've tried this numerous times, several dozen times, or even more over the years, and I never get any replies whatsoever, or every now and then I'll get, I'll get, I agree with you, or something like that, but I think that uh, it's starting to kind of look fishy to me why some of these guys won't acknowledge this. You know, the talking heads at least, they have to know this is how things work. Unless it is, like I said, that they've only read these economic books and they can only think in terms of straight public, straight private industry. And that's not reality. Uh, I wish it was because that would make things so much easier. You would, you would have a much easier time of trying to get and implement better policies that would be, you know, an improvement on what we have today, which is just horrible. So we're, you know, I wonder 
I can't help but wonder if libertarians are totally unaware of how far things have gone under the Great Reset. And if they don't know about this cadre of NGOs and the fact that the Council is celebrating their 100th year, the Council on Foreign Relations, and, and the fact that the Brookings Institute and all these other institutes that are a part of this, I won't say cabal, but a part of this cadre, have been working together for so very long to change things that they want this global governance. That's the end game. That's the end game. That's the end goal is global governance. And good luck on trying to implement any libertarian ideas and policies under global governance. I mean, can you imagine having this grand council to try to combat that are probably at the other end of the world when you're here probably controlled by blue helmets or federal police forces under the control of the UN? Good luck with that, my friends. So uh, I just wanted to do this show. It's a short one, but I wanted to be honest. I wanted to, as I said, extend an olive branch. I wanted to try and get people to think about reality and start understanding that, look, if you're going to get anything changed, you have to look at this big picture and see who your government is cozied up to and is partnered up with, you know? So I don't know. I mean, I'm probably just wasting my time, but I feel like, hey, you know, this is, it makes me feel better to get this out to other people. And I want to say one thing too, you know, there's the rumor, or not the rumor, because he actually said this, but Dave Smith, the Libertarian, he's thinking of running for president of the Libertarian Party in 2024. And that's cool and all. You know, like I said, I don't think they have a chance, of course, with the debate committee and the way things are. And the party is unorganized. I think there's self-sabotage. I think people like Sarwak and these others are just in there to cause chaos and division. I think that uh, probably emissaries of the Democrats and Republicans or possibly the deep state always get in there and try to stir up controversies and try to divide the Libertarian Party. So I think that it has a very limited chance of ever making a huge difference. But again, they can make some differences on the local level. And I just want to say one last thing. Dave Smith, if you ever listen to this, which I'm sure you won't, but somebody might tell you about it. Dude, we need you to stay in the Legion of Skanks much more than we need you to run for libertarian president. Because we need to laugh in the face of these dire times more than we need you to run, dude, because they will sabotage you. They will probably ruin your life and you will never get anywhere because, like I said, there's powers behind the scenes that are poisoning the chances of any libertarian candidate. And I think it's pretty easy to see that if you look back at it. You're better than that. 
you're actually better than the Libertarian Party. And uh, if I were you, bro, I would stay with the skanks. And also, I would just continue to point out the terrible behavior and policies and asinine ideas of the bureaucracy of our representatives. Because we need somebody like you who is, because we need somebody like you who can speak clearly and portray these messages. But hey, you probably know better than me about the insides and out of the party. I'm just a guy who's paid attention for the last 12 years or so. But anyway, thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate your time. Uh, I hope this didn't bore you too bad. And uh, I look forward to talking to you next week. I may do another show this week. It'll depend. I'm doing a lot of research. So uh, maybe, maybe not. We'll just see. And thank you guys for taking the time to listen. As always, please support me. Please share the show if you can. And leave me a good review. And also remember my Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash the odd man out. Become a member of the Society of the Cryptic Savants. And so if you give me like five bucks, I'll be happy to call out your name, your link, the name of your business, whatever you need me to do. Just let me know in a message. As long as it's not anything vulgar or, you know, against my faith, I'll be happy to advertise for you. So remember that. Remember the Boiler Room on Thursday nights on alternatecurrentradio.com. And check out my last podcast if you haven't. It is the third installment on Who Will Watch the Watchers. And it's another debunking or kind of an expose of astrotheology and Jordan Maxwell and his Theosophical Society beliefs. And with that, I'm going to tell you, as always... Cheers and blessings, and remember, their order is not our order. See you guys. You are an old man who thinks in terms of nations and peoples. There are no nations. There are no peoples. There are no Russians. There are no Arabs. There are no third worlds. There is no West. There is only one holistic system of systems. One vast and immane, interwoven, interacting, multivariate, multinational dominion of dollars. Petrodollars, electrodollars, multidollars, Reichmarks, rims, rubles, pounds, and shekels. It is the international system of currency which determines the totality of life on this planet. That is the natural order of things today. That is the atomic and subatomic and galactic structure of things today. And you have meddled with the primal forces of nature. And you will atone. Am I getting through to you, Mr. Beale? You get up on your little 21-inch screen and howl about America and democracy.
There is no America. There is no democracy. There is only IBM and ITT and AT&T and DuPont, Dow, Union Carbide and Exxon. Those are the nations of the world today. What do you think the Russians talk about in their councils of state? Karl Marx? They get out their linear programming charts, statistical decision theories, min and max solutions, and compute the price, cost, probabilities of their transactions and investments, just like we do. We no longer live in a world of nations and ideologies, Mr. Beale. The world is a college of corporations, inexorably determined by the immutable bylaws of business. The world is a business, Mr. Beale. It has been since man crawled out of the slime. And our children will live, Mr. Beale, to see that perfect world in which there's no war or famine, oppression or brutality. One vast and ecumenical holding company for whom all men will work to serve a common profit in which all men will hold a share of stock. All necessities provided, all anxieties tranquil.